Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we have Chris Gillette with us, who is a kick-ass headshot photographer out of Houston, Texas, according to his website. He also likes whiskey and can fly prop planes, but I think Chris can say a lot more about himself than I can. So hi, Chris. Thank you for being on the show. Hey, Maurice. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So how would you describe yourself as a photographer? Like, let's introduce yourself to the audience. I love headshots. And uh, I market myself to wealthy professional people who either have a very specific um, message or vibe that they want to send out, um, or they just want, you know, to be very serious and get as good a headshot as they possibly can get. So that's the service that you offer, uh, all headshots or are you shooting anything else? Almost all headshots. Uh, I, I used to be a lawyer and I photograph a lot of lawyers and occasionally they want group shots. So I'll do uh, usually a composited version of, of a group shot. Um, but rarely do I stray away from it. If I do, it's because it's the right client and it's something I'm interested in. Uh, but I just love headshots. It's what I feel that I'm most competent at. And I'm kind of holding myself out as an expert at doing that thing. So when people try to say, hey, I love your headshots. Can you, you know, get a picture of me and my baby? No, like no. <laughs> There's going to be somebody else who does it way better than I do. Like I'll give you an example of something that I did do differently. I had a client recently who is a journalist, a TV journalist, and she has won some Emmy awards. Emmys are I don't know if it's something that a worldwide audience knows, kind of like the Oscars of television. And mm-hmm. She had won some Emmys, and she wanted a picture with her Emmys. So we kind of got a headshot version of her with her Emmys. But, um, other than that, it's mainly headshots. I think I saw that on Instagram. I think you posted yeah, something about that. Very recent, yeah. Yeah. I think like a couple of days ago. Yes, sir. So, um, like you come from a lawyer background um, and you transitioned into photography. Like, why did yeah. you leave, like, obviously a, a, a good profession and decided to go into photography, which like can be hit and miss? There were a couple of factors. One, I was at a time in my life where leaving that profession was easier. You know, it's not like I was 28 years old with three kids under five, you know, and, and wouldn't, wouldn't want to leave the, uh, uh, the law is readily. Uh, at that point in my life, I had, I've got three children and the two oldest were, if not emancipated, almost emancipated, um, at least in college or leaving for college. And then I do have a, a child who is 11 now, but um, I was about to not have to worry so much about two older kids. And you know, I, I was a lawyer for almost 20 years, so it's not like I didn't put in the time. Yeah. So that was one thing. Um, you know, I built up a little bit of a war chest that I could fall back on to tide me over as my business grew um, because of the time that I spent in that profession. Mm-hmm. And then also, I had just gotten to the point with headshots where I felt like I was doing them as well as anybody else in the city where I live. 
and that I had a good chance to, well, let me be more specific, that in 2015, I, I think people call it a side hustle now. I was doing this as a side hustle, and I'd have a couple of clients on Saturday, a couple on Sunday, and um, I just thought, you know, if I'm, if Without trying, I've got that many clients. If I tried, I could probably make this work full time. And so those were the main factors. And an important factor I missed is uh, I hated being a lawyer. And so those three factors uh, made it pretty easy to, to jump into this without too much fear and actually a lot of optimism. It felt great when I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that hate lawyers. So, and you were one of them. So I don't know if you start hating your job, then that's probably the cue to get the heck out of there and do something different. Yeah. I was actually uh, talking to a friend at the time. If some, I said something to him like, you know, I, when I was talking about the legal work and I said, yeah, I hate this shit. <laughs> And he said, why don't you not do it anymore? Why don't you go do that other thing? You like that you like that headset stuff. And that's frankly what made me start thinking about it. By the end of the day, I'd convinced myself that that was the thing I needed to do. Yeah, and you mentioned like shooting on the Saturdays and Sundays and then deciding to like actually put in some effort and build it as a business full time. So what was the effort that you took to get it from a side hustle as a popular term today to like a full business? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, what did I do? So I gave myself a year. I thought, you know, this first year, I'm not going to beat up on myself too much. I'm not going to panic if I don't get super busy. Um, so that was one thing. I just gave myself permission to take a little bit of time. I spent a lot of time um, networking. You know, I had a decent network built up because of my law stuff. And so I tried to leverage that into some sort of success with the headshot stuff, mainly just letting people know, hey, I do this now. And um, a lot of the networking routes that I laid during that first year really paid off in subsequent years with just different opportunities that I got. Um, I probably also got more serious about um, some of the administrative things like scheduling. I think that's when I first started exploring using scheduling services. Like I think I started with Calendly and then I jumped to, I've got Acuity now, Acuity Scheduling. Yeah. But I know that I made that happen. Just as you get busier, you know, there are a lot of advantages to it. But I did stuff like that. Um, what else? Got a little more serious about, I think at some point I, I spent quite a bit of money upgrading my website into kind of what it looks like now. Now it's getting a little old. I probably need to redo it. It just it works for me really well. I'm loath to change it up too much. But got the website, uh, the current version of it, looking good. Uh, and all that paid off because probably, I don't know, like 45% of my business now, at least last time I ran the numbers, was about uh, about 45% was word of mouth and about 40% is Google. The rest of it was everything. Um, so since you mentioned... So since you mentioned your website, which is like the razor.com, right? So how yes. did you come up with that? Because like, I know you're razor sharp because we met and like, there's some sharpness to your uh, persona, but like, yeah. why are you using that and not like chrisgillette.com or anything like that? Yeah, that's a good question. There have been a lot of things in the process of getting to where my business is right now, where I just got lucky, lucky with timing, lucky with, and this website thing is, a perfect example because I was not very creative when I first started looking for my URL. And this was before the, the 2015-2016 time period. Prior to that, when I was looking for a domain name from a website where I could throw up some work, I looked for chrisgillette.com. 
and it was taken. And I looked for basically all the permutations that I thought I might be interested in. Somebody already had. Like there's a Chris Gillette. And my, my last name is spelled weird. It's not spelled like the razor blade people. Mine does not have an E on the end. And so it looks like if you gill it or something like that. Yeah. Um, so with an E, without an E, all taken. There's uh, a guy with my exact same spelling who's an actor. Really good looking older guy too. Um, there's a, I'm not sure if there's like an opera guy or a musician. Um, anyway, so there are a lot of these are already taken. And if they had, if they were available, I just would, if crystalette.com had been available, I would have taken it and that would have been it. But luckily it was not. And so I had to think about, well, what am I going to do? And I was thinking about my name and because it is misspelled. And people mispronounce it a lot. And I don't care if they mispronounce it. But, you know, sometimes if, if it's going to happen over and over again, somebody might be embarrassed. Like, why didn't you tell me how to say your name? So I'll tell them, no, it's Gillette, like the razor, so <laughs> that they know it. Just simple. You know, oh, like the razor blade. Okay. And so then that's when I was thinking about it, that's when it hit me, like the razor. And then I thought, no, nah, that's not going to be available. And then I looked and it was available. And so I thought, okay, this makes sense. And uh, it's been great. Uh, it's so much better than Chris Gillette. Chris Gillette, how do you spell it? Is it with a G or a J? How many L's? How many T's? Is there any on the end? Like the razor. There are no homonyms. If I enunciate clearly, you know exactly what it is. It's oh, it's more memorable than my name is. And there's a story behind it. And usually pe- if people under- get it, if they figure out, oh, it's because it's less than Gillette, they don't get it right away. It'll happen later. And it's usually fun. They go, oh, I get it. But if they don't get it, I can at least tell them, no, it's like my last name. Gillette. It's like the razor. Yeah. So that's why. Like we've known each other for like what five plus years, and I never put yep. it together unless until you just like mentioned it. I was like, wow, like there was a light bulb coming on. Like it's like, oh, that's why, because that was a yeah, that was fun. a genuine question. Like what the like, how does that work? <laughs> it makes total sense. So, and you're using that like in all your branding now, or are you still using your same your 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 own name, or like because like I was like trying to come up with something clever, and uh, I was fortunate that nobody uh, there's one Maurice Yager in this country, and he's a 16 year old kid or something, so he doesn't have mm-hmm. a website. So I was like fortunate to like claim my own name because I would have sucked coming up with something else. Uh, and I didn't like I real like at some point I decided like I don't want a brand name and then go like yeah Maurice Jager off uh, XYZ Studios or whatever I just like wanted everything to be the same and my name is like very easy to pronounce like people still mess it up because Jager uh, translates to hunter so people use like uh, yeah. they do like the hunter and in Dutch it's like the same the so people go like Maurice the hunter and they just like add that little word in between and mess up my name so it's still like not totally foolproof but it's uh like i had some stuff published in a magazine and they added that word it's like what the fuck it's like come on like they print my book cover with the name like on it in like font type like i don't know big and then in the copy they misspell the name so it's like <laughs> it's like writing is your job like how difficult is it to just like look at the freaking thing and write it correct yeah but and like do you use like like the razor as your personal brand or as your branding or is that just like the online vehicle it's the latter um if if i'm telling somebody what i do or or trying to push my services in any way it's it's my name uh a lot of what i do branding wise is kind of me and my personality and um 
the like the razors, just pretty much the URL. Although it, you know it's so strong that people seem to gravitate towards it, and they'll I feel like other people refer to me as like the razor way more than I do. Okay, so um, you're talking about branding yourself. Uh, what do you what do you, how do you brand yourself? How what like what are the efforts you're doing to like continuously build it? Um, I wish I had some good answers to that question. I don't feel like I really do very much. Um, search engine optimization and just, you know, ranking well in search results is a big part of it. Uh, usually if people will discover me and get to my website, it's going to polarize people. Some people are not going to like it and be repulsed by it. And some people are going to like it and look at it and say, Oh my God, I want that guy to do that for me. And so that's a big part of it. Uh, I still network, not as much as I used to, but I still network a little bit. I feel like I do it more for the incidental benefits, like uh, speaking opportunities. And uh, well, yeah, I'll give you an example. I uh, have a friend and a client who does will occasionally do PR work for me. Not enough to count as an answer to this marketing question, but like with the the ten thousand headshots initiative, you know, I called her up and said, "Hey, this is a charitable deal. Can you get me an interview?" But that's somebody that I met because of my of my networking. And I certainly get work that way. Uh, and then the, the other big thing is just kind of maintaining a presence on social media. I wish I didn't have to because I'm kind of tired of social media right now. But I just throw up work from time to time when it occurs to me just to remind my, my monkey circle. If you, have, if you don't know what a monkey circle is, look it up. It's not, uh, it's not crude. No, not, not, not monkey sphere. That actually may be crude. It's monkey sphere. Okay. Look up monkey sphere. It's the concept of essentially there's a, there's a number, uh, that is the maximum number of people that you, that a human brain can be concerned about at any one time. And I don't remember the number, but let's say it's 200. Um, those are, that's your, that's the people that you know. That's the people that you care about. Anyway, look up monkey sphere. It's fascinating, but I'm just trying to remind those people kind of in my, sphere of influence, my group of friends, whatever you want to call them, that, hey, I do this. And that seems to get me a little bit of work as well. Okay. So, yeah, I know, I know that there's a lot of, um, like, everybody or most people have, like, a ton of people, like, on their socials. But end of the day, there's only a couple that you really, like, uh, remember or resonate with or... Like I was following everybody that followed me, and at some point I just like did a like a really like cleaning, and I ended up with two hundred and ten people that I continuously follow. And as a matter of fact, I'm I was just looking at the monkey sphere, and I came up with Dunbar's number, and apparently that's it. Uh, he says the mean group size is about 148, so it's even less than that. But there's other people that go into the two hundreds and. Uh, anywhere between 150 and 230. So you're, you were pretty accurate with the 200. Uh, <laughs> so you, uh, like, you don't, like, you're out there, you're communicating, you're, like, pretty much, like, try and meet uh, a lot of people and trying to, like, uh, at least get these people to know you. Um, so when you... Like you work with other, like you have a makeup artist, I think, and because I see that like yeah. somebody's like shooting your behind the scenes uh, on uh, the socials. Like, uh, yeah. do you like what is a deciding factor when you decided to work with this person? Like, do you look at how she presents herself and what her brand is, and like how do you approach that? Uh, that's a good question. 
I, I didn't take any of that into account when I started working with her. I, uh, there are three makeup artists I've worked with over my career for any length of time. There are several I've worked with once or twice, just trying people out. And the, my, my second one, I started to get unhappy with the work. And the problem is I'm a 52-year-old guy. So my knowledge of makeup, well, probably superior to most men my age, is not very good. And so I kind of know what I like, but that's about it. That's a little difficult sometimes. Um, and for a variety of reasons, I decided, all right, I need to make a change. And so I started looking around again. And then uh, this woman, Jessica, who does my makeup now, one, she did makeup well. And headshot makeup is very specific. You know, it's just like, it's hard to find a good headshot photographer. There are a zillion photographers who will take your headshot if you pay them, but most of them aren't experts at it. And even the ones that do a lot of it, frankly, it's hard to find a good one. And, uh, you know, when I was a, a lawyer, I got butchered all the time. I mean, people were terrible. I had no idea what they were doing. And I didn't know it at the time. I thought it was me. <laughs> but, um, and makeup is the same way. Like there are a zillion people who are makeup artists. Most of them are self-taught and not very many of them are good. And of the ones who are good, they're not necessarily good at headshot makeup. It's a very specific thing. So anyway, this woman turned out she could do the, you know, the light natural makeup look really well. And she was really good at hair and hair, women's hair. is such a, I mean, it's a variable that sometimes makes or breaks the shoots for me. Like, you know, we'll do some shots and now nope, change it up. Now nope, change. It. Oh, there we go. <laughs> this was, this is way better. And she was good at that. So that's why I started to work with her. Um, I'm actually not, I, I like that she does behind the scenes stuff and, um, I'll preface my next comment by saying that I love her personally. She's a wonderful person. If you judge a book by its cover, you get it wrong. She's really sharp. She's really sweet. Uh, and so you're saying she's uh, sharp as a razor. She, yeah, she's, she's, <laughs> she's like the razor, but, yeah. uh, she presents herself online a little more, uh, I don't know where I would say it, but if you just follow me and then see her stuff, you'll still see. Um, she's a little more Instagrammy and sna uh, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I'm afraid I'll say something bad, but she portrays herself online in, in uh, maybe a more uh, glamorous way than, than I would like, want her to if I were her dad or something. Uh, and, you know, it attracts some weird dudes, frankly. So I'm not thrilled with that, but. I like that she does the behind the scenes stuff and, uh, you know, she's an adult. She can do whatever she wants. I'm not going to tell her not to. Yeah. Um, you just like slightly mentioned that you like were used to as a lawyer that people were like, uh, trying to like defeat you or like take you down or wh whatever the word was. Like, is there anything that you learned in your law practice that you still, um, leverage today or that you benefit from today? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. There, there are a couple of things. Um, one is just that inherently I'm really introverted and quiet and not as convivial or, or friendly as uh, I need to be to do this job. Yeah, And it's weird because I know there, there are guys that do this who are maybe a little more introverted and do just fine. But the only way I know how to do it is to be like aggressively convivial with people. <laughs> That's the way I can say it. And, I, and I'm not naturally like that. And so training to be a lawyer and then, you know, trying cases and all that stuff got me more comfortable in front of people. It got me more comfortable being the center of attention from time to time. It got me more comfortable being in charge. And in this field, you really have to take charge because people don't know what to do. And sometimes you're working with people who are used to being in charge and they 
may want to tell you what to do and you just can't let them do it. <laughs> Otherwise it's not going to go well. Yeah. Uh, so it's just made me kind of just, a, I guess gave me a stronger personality than I had before. Um, made it more likely for me to act as an expert for people. Cause it's one of the reasons I think that people hire me is they want me to, 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 to lead. They want me to act as a consultant and an expert and show them what they need to know. And I got to be in charge to make that happen. Uh, so that was one thing that was important. Um, I think it also made me better at, although today's conversation may not be evidence of it, I feel like it's made me better at just, uh, you know, speaking improvisationally. You know, when you're, I know you're like this when you're photographing somebody, it's weird if you don't talk to them. And a lot of the time, the person in front of the camera for a lot of different reasons is going to maybe more reserved and, you need them to need to up their energy level. And very often the way that I do it is just in saying something kind of weird or a, a play on words of what they just said to me or whatever. And um, being used to speaking extemporaneously in my previous career has really helped with that. Um, and then also, I, I think it just helps me deal with these people more as a peer. Again, they I think they want me to be in charge. They want me to be an expert. And therefore, I treat them, whether you know I've had the past two presidents of Shell North America in here, or whether it's just some lawyer or something like that, I treat them like you know, they're not any better than I am. They may be great. I may admire them. I may be really proud of them. And, you know, I may t- I tell them that. But um, you know, they're not so far above me that I can't. Tell them to turn their fucking nose to the right or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, turn your fucking nose to the right. Yeah. Like yeah. the the, the de- selective deployment of taboo language like that can be helpful. But I don't know if I'm answering the question very well. But a lot of it's just like an attitude in the way that I deal with people. Um, I think came from that. Like, do, do you think you attract more lawyers and judges because you uh, are from that, or you have that background, or you have that background? Is that, like, something that, is it, like, based on the fact that you know all these people, or is it also fact on uh, based on the fact that, like, you know how to speak to them and you're pretty much, like, their peers in the industry? I think it's mainly just because of the people that I know. Um, I, I think that's what helps get those folks in. That led to, and you, I'm sure it's the same for you with your headshots, as you photograph more and more people and you've had more and more clients, more and more people are going to see those shots. And hopefully if you're doing really good work, you're going to get for every person you shoot, it's almost like uh, like a farmer, you know, just plant, plant those seeds back and you're going to get at least another client or two based on that one that you just shot if you do a good enough job and they're happy enough with it. Um, so I think that's the main thing, but it certainly, if nothing else, is a point of interest. Like maybe if I know the the law firm's managing partner and I get the work because of that, it's still nice that when they send in their new associate, the person might say, oh yeah, I read on your website, you used to be a lawyer. And then it's just something we have in common that helps us establish a little bit of rapport uh, that much easier. Um, but sometimes I'll use it the other way. Like if I don't think they know all I'll, I'll start saying stuff to them that a non-lawyer would not know. And then it just kind of freaks them out in a fun way. Like, how do you know that? You know? <laughs> I'll tell them later. Oh, yeah, I feel it. Um, but it, I, that's one of the things I like doing to people is if I know enough about their business, just speaking to them using their language. Like I had a pilot in one day instead of saying, turn your nose to the left. I said, kick in the little uh, kick in the little right rudder. Or no, kick in the little left rudder. Or yaw to the left or pitch up. Pitch up three degrees, that kind of stuff. Or with a doctor, I might say, use your orbicularis oculi, decrease the palpebral fissure by three millimeters. You know, 
don't think it's my mainly it's just all to make them smile but like uh, i think like everything like is more about the experience and the way that you make people feel yeah. and, and that's what is like the majority of the brand that people walk away with like a skip in their step or like they're just like being happy about the whole experience because like face it like most people are not used to having a camera stuck at the, like locked and loaded in their face for like an hour and change yeah. so making the experience as painless as possible is the way to go and that's how you developed it yeah uh, a big part of it is is getting folks to be comfortable in front of the camera obviously uh, we could talk about that for 20 30 minutes but um beyond that just like if that if there were no reason why I couldn't touch somebody in any way that I wanted to, almost like just going up and just like grabbing them by the shoulders and shaking them or sticking your finger in their ribs to make, <laughs> to give them a little energy. Yeah. Of course, you can't do that. But if you can do it verbally, uh, it's really helpful. And you brought up a point that I, I think I'm not as mindful of as I should. I, I make them feel a certain way because of the pictures that we're going to get as a result. But I guess an important um, byproduct of that is the fact that they are going to feel good. It's generally a good way that they're feeling. And um, what's the saying? You know, people, they are more likely to remember how you made them feel. And they do go away with a skip in their step and probably more likely to refer you to one of their best gal pals than uh, when they would be otherwise. Yeah. Uh, like, did you always, like, did you always f uh, take photographs, like, even when you were, like, growing up or, like, when you were in the law practice or... Is that something that just like developed later on when you decided to like use it professionally? No, I got into photography when uh, my 11-year-old child was on his way. I'd been through babies once already and knew what it was like. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to have time for anything anymore. So I thought, all right, I'm going to retire my hobbies for a while. And I instantly regretted doing that because I hated what I did for a living. And so that's what led to me having this this idea of, oh, I'm going to learn how to take pictures. I'm going to take pictures of my family. So, you know, it's 11 years ago. So camera phones really weren't a thing. And I bought a uh, used Canon Rebel and just did that for a couple of years, tried to learn how to use it and take better pictures of my family. And uh, I think that's when I first got on Facebook. And so I'd put some of my crud on Facebook. And a few of my friends knew that I did that. And one day a buddy of mine said, hey, can you take a headshot of me? I need a headshot for work. And like an idiot, I thought, oh, yeah, that's easy. I can do that. <laughs> it was, <laughs> Little it was do we know today. <laughs> very good. Yeah, it was not very good. And he was a good looking guy. And I just I just couldn't do him justice. And that's what got me on the path to thinking, well, how do you take a headshot? Did you reshoot him later? I didn't. He was happy with it, but I didn't like it. Okay, but you didn't shoot him like in the last couple of years uh, when you were obviously doing a shit ton better than eleven years ago. I, I love. I tell you what, I, I love reshooting people that I shot five years ago, um, just because it's so much fun. Knowing, oh my god, I'm gonna do so much better on this one. This one's gonna be great. And, and if they love the old one, this, oh, this is gonna be unbelievable. Uh, but I just never did it with this guy. We uh, he was just a friend that I didn't keep in contact with. I don't know. Maybe it's because of a shitty headshot. Maybe he hated. It. <laughs> he just didn't tell me. I don't know. Maybe he's like, yeah, I don't want to. Like, he make me look like this. Like, my God. Like, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna forget his birthday and never show up again anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> getting the heck out of here. So, and you, you yeah. started with Rebels, and like, you're shooting Hasselblad still. Um, what was the sequence? So, I when I shot headshots, I was shooting a Nikon. Um, D800, and then I switched to um, a Mamiya with a Leaf Credo 40 back, wow. and I did that for a while, and 
I do like medium format, but man, it's just a pain in the ass. It felt like I, I had just all sorts of technical issues with it. And then one day I, to solve the technical issues, I thought, all right, I'm just going to get uh, phase one had come out with a new body and phase one and Mamiya, the, the bodies were pretty much the same thing, just different mm-hmm. labels. So I got the brand new phase one body, you know, just the body alone was, I don't know what it was, it was expensive. Yeah. Shutter failed after about uh, a little over a year, let's say 18 months. And so I was not happy about that. Sent it in and they fixed it, sent it back to me. Shutter failed. Again, working with a client, shutter failed within a couple of months. And I just, I was livid. I, I couldn't believe it. So pissed off. Yeah. It, it's, it felt like a Kickstarter product. You know, it worked and it was kind of cool and different, but it was not reliable. Um, and it was just a pain in the ass to use because it was slow. The autofocus was ancient and uh, it was just not a pleasant professional tool. Uh, so I switched back to the D800 for a long time. And it's funny, one day I was looking at an old shot and I thought, ah, man, I do kind of miss medium format. And then I looked at the metadata and it was a D800 shot. I was like, oh, you idiot. Wow. Um, and today I use a, oh, then I got the D850 and it's great. But now I've got a Fuji GFX 50S, and I love it. A little bit higher quality. I do like Fuji a lot. It has, you know, it's mirrorless, so it's got good, pretty good. I don't, it's probably not as good as Sony, but it's still really good autofocus. It has eye autofocus. That's been a game changer for me. I feel like I'm not working anymore. I don't have to focus. I just compose and push the button. I'm not even looking through the finder anymore. I'm using the LCD on the back like I'm a kid. Yeah, I'm shooting the EOSR. I'm shooting the EOSR and I'm using that eye focus thing like all day. I'm just like, I measure the camera height and then I don't touch anything and I just like look at the screen and just like keep pressing buttons if I like what I'm seeing. You know, it's so awesome. It didn't hit me until, I feel like this just hit me this year. I realized that I don't need to have anything to stand on anymore for tall people because I can just jack the camera up, tilt the screen down and just look up at it. It's Great. I may have to raise my arm a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so much more pleasant to use. And really, free, using that on a tripod really frees me up to do all the other crap that I need to do. To You know, it's like walking a tightrope to finally get that shot where they're in the right position. The posture is good. Jawline's good. Expression's good. And then with women, the hair is, you know, it's just, I don't have to worry about without having to worry about my damn camera. Yeah. Yeah, that makes, like, all the technology should lead up to making life easy and focusing on the client and forget about all the the, the stuff. Yeah. So um, you've been at it for a little while now and like you're obviously doing good as the kick-ass headshot photographer in Houston. Um, so what what is the most valuable piece of advice that you can share with somebody that like either wants to push his business to the next level or his brand or is like just starting out and like listening and it's like, Holy shit, where I'm going to start. Can I, before I answer that question, can I add something else? Sure. That I think is interesting. Um, so you, a couple of times you called me kick-ass headshot photographer and people listening may not know the, the reason that you're probably doing that. Is because um, of the alt tag on your website. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> so this is another example of, hey, I wish I were clever enough and could say that this was totally my idea, but uh, <laughs> it was not. I'd hired a guy and if you need me to, find his name. I will. I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, but 
I'd hired a web guy to uh, just tune up my website. You know, I had a bunch of plugins that were out of date and I just, you know, I'm old and I don't like dealing with that stuff. I know perfect world. I should understand all that stuff and be able to use it well and not need to hire people, but that's not how I do it. And this guy, you know, like he had a list of things that he, that we, he was going to do and he was really good. Um, I should find his name and name him. But um, one of the things that this guy did, and by the way, he's like Croatian or something. It's not like he's, he's a native English speaker. He's not from my culture. He's not from my city. <laughs> he's on the other side of the planet. Yeah. And it was his idea. And he just did it. He told me he did it, but he didn't ask my permission. He just said, hey, and by the way, I changed this to kick-ass headshot photography. And when I read that, I think it's kind of like the way that I present myself. Like some people are not going to like it. And he took a risk, you know, like you could say, no, don't do that. But I was so, I was blown away. One, that just he was ballsy enough to do it without asking. And then two, that he was clever enough to, like, I don't think that I could have sussed out the right thing to do. And well, in the Netherlands, for example, like even if somebody were speaking English to me, I think I'd get things culturally wrong. It was just the perfect call. And it was not at all my idea. Yeah, but you—it matches your personality, I think, and you made it work. Because if you would, if you weren't agreeing with it, then you would probably told him to change it to something, yeah. uh, something different, like high end yeah. or whatever. All these people are using these days, premiere yeah. or like stuff like that, premium. But I love it. Yeah, yeah. it was such a good idea. It really, I've, I've talked every couple of times. I apologize, but. I think a, a significant uh, point here is that it kind of goes with my brand. It it kind of goes with my personality. It is probably going to turn off some people, and that's awesome because I don't. Those are not my clients. I don't want those people. And um, and it, it, it's the, the people who are my clients like stuff like that. So it's fantastic. Anyway, so thank you for letting me go down that path. Yeah. Um, so so you're using your brand also as a as a pretty much like a filtering or selecting vehicle to make sure that people can pretty much stomach working with you? I think so. Um, a lot, I think a lot of that is guesswork on my part because, you know, you, the ones who are turned off probably never, you know, are not going to contact me. So how do I know? I just, I think that that's correct. I, I, I definitely know that the opposite is true, that people constantly tell me, and maybe everybody has this experience, I don't know, but people constantly tell me, oh man, I loved your website. Or as soon as I read, I read everything on your website. There's a lot of crap on there. No, I read it all. Or man, the email that you sent reminding me about our appointment, I loved it. Or they, you know, they, they like all that stuff. And so I think the opposite has to be true, too. I think some people will look at it and just are like, mm, eh, no, for whatever reason. I'll give you an example, um, not exactly on point, but maybe somewhat instructive. Um, I've got like, I don't know, over 130 Google reviews. All of them are five star, except for some jackass photographer somewhere. I don't, I don't know where it came from, but some photographer basically said, oh, this guy's copying Peter Hurley. Yeah. Um, What a, what a hack. Uh -huh. like, I a, had that one too. I don't think it's, it's the same person, but uh, I've heard that before. A, I'll, I'll take it. But anyway. Yeah. And he's a friend of ours. Are, are you kidding me? But anyway, whatever. I don't care. I, I had a I, think it had I had a similar conversation in another podcast where we talked about like you take somebody else's work as an inspiration and then develop your own style based of that, but use the inspiration from a leading photographer in the business as like a starting point uh, that you use yeah. to like pivot into your own direction. You, know, you and I don't shoot like Peter. It's no. similar. It's in the same ballpark, but it's not the same stuff. No. Um, 
and then the other so the but the other one star review was actually from a not from a client but from a woman who I usually have consultation calls with people before they come see me or before they decide they want to come see me they almost always book afterwards it's the high percentage of the time but um, somebody had booked a call and I forgot to call them totally my fault um, I had a new calendar app app on my phone and I forgot to enable notifications and that's how I keep these appointments because it buzzes and I pull it out of my pocket and I go oh I got to call Sally. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, well, this woman, I don't know. It, uh, this is not the first time I've not called somebody, by the way. <laughs> this has happened before. Yeah. Every other time, one of two things happens. Either I realize later and I go, oh, shit, I forgot to call him. So I'll call the guy, apologize. He's always like, I messed up. And then we go from there. Or what often happens is the person thinks, thought I had a call with Gillette. I better call him. And then they'll call. And it's fine. There's no, you know, no hard feelings at that point. Yeah. But this human, because people are, they're, you know, all sorts of different people out there. Yeah, people can be weird. Had this ink what and I'm biased, I could be wrong. Somebody listening may disagree, but I think that's a pretty disproportionate reaction to just not getting a call. And she acted like I had, you know, dated her once and then just never called her again. I mean it was just unbelievable. I left this whole you know review about how I'm the worst guy in the world. That's the type of person who I bet if we'd had that call at some point, I would have figured out, yeah, this is probably not the right client for me. Oh, and that's another point. Um, going back to things that I learned as a lawyer. You know, when you're a lawyer, people call you, hey, I need this. I need help with this. I need help with that. I got a case. I need to help with this case. I got sued or I need to sue somebody. And uh, the good lawyers don't take everybody. Good lawyers are very selective about who they work with. You talk to the person. All right, well, tell me about it. And you'll ask them questions about it. And you'll find out, oh, so you've had a lawyer on this before. Oh, well, what happened? Well, I fired him. Oh, well, why did you do that? Do you still owe that lawyer money? Oh, you don't want to talk about it? Okay. Well, it, all of those things are red flagged. All of those things are indications. I don't want to take this case. And it's kind of similar with this. I want to find people who are a really good fit for what I do because I can't I, I can't get the results I get with everybody. Um, some people, some of our friends might say differently. Maybe, maybe Peter says differently. I don't know. But I know for a fact I can't do this with everybody. Um, some people are just weird. <laughs> it's yeah. not a very uh, – I can give you a better explanation, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. it's like some people are bad candidates for this procedure, and I want to try to figure that out before they come in. Um, so hopefully, whether it's the – you know the, the when they search for headshot photographers and they see my listing on the first page and it says kick-ass headshots, maybe a lot of people are turned off by that, and as they should be. And, and I'm – I'm not sore about it. I, I I want them to get what's best for them, and I want what's best for me. And sometimes that's going to be, you know, that we don't work together. And I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah, and I think kick-ass headshot sounds way better than above average headshots. So you're right. Like, that one wouldn't work. Yeah, that's like <laughs> totally sucks. Like, who wants to go above average? Like, you want to get the best. So to uh, like uh, take a Yui and get back to the question, uh, what would be your most valuable Sorry. piece of advice that you want to share? Because that's where we started. And then this like floodgate opened and all the cool information came out. But I think that question is still open. So what would be a most valuable piece of advice? I think if you, I'm going to talk like I'm talking to a headshot photographer, but I guess you could just swap out any genre um, for headshots. If you want to get busy, if you want to get the best clients, charge the highest rates, the one thing you have to do, I think, is increase your perceived level of expertise. You know, if you look like just some dipshit with a camera, you know, no different in character and composure than like a guy who changes toner and copying machines, which is, by the way, the guys who shot me when I was a lawyer. 
<laughs> um, or guys like that, um, then you're mostly going to appeal to the bottom feeders and the people who want cheap headshots. And maybe if that's the case, then you know you, you want it to say something like affordable headshot. But having you know that type of clientele, I can tell you, it's awesome and it's it 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 enriches my life in many ways. Um, I, I just get I, I get to constantly meet just the coolest people. Uh, I don't want to do this unless I'm doing it for folks like them. And to do that, I have to be perceived as an expert in what I do, uh, somebody who is going to take charge, uh, almost like I'm a consultant for their face. Tell them what I like. Tell them what I don't like. Talk with them about it. Um, I want them to feel like it is the, you know, the, the epitome or the, the, the highest level of headshot photography possible. Um, and I guess related to that, uh, the, probably the best, I know we've talked about marketing a couple of times and I don't know that I really said I really do much, but I think the best marketing tool that I have is uh, a solid, excuse me, a solid portfolio of just consistent work that a minority of the population is going to look at and go, ooh, I want him to do that for me. And so that's why it is I, I'm happy that somebody would look at my work and say oh it looks like he's doing what Peter Hurley does yeah Cause, yep there's one he's my mentor and a close friend and I based my work on his for years and learned I still learn stuff from him I mean there's just he's he's fantastic um, but that consistent look is what I'm promising to people that I'll do you want that's what I'll do for you I'll do that if you want something else I'm not the guy that's what I did um, so that's Consistent portfolio, solid work is what's going to draw in. And I'm in a huge market. Maybe that's something that we didn't talk about. I'm in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas is the fourth largest city in the U.S.? Fourth or fifth, I can't remember. Chicago, I think, is still barely ahead of us. And the county in which Houston sits is called Harris County. Harris is the third largest county in the United States. I think both by population and by square footage. There are a zillion people here. Um, There is more than enough work for me. I can get... I. I don't know, but I suspect that if I got really hyper-specific with my work, like one day I'm like, I don't want to mess with hair and makeup anymore. I'm just going to work for dudes. I don't, know. I don't know if you can do that these days. Yeah. I could I could have to change, change it to kick-ass, sexist as hell. <laughs> but yeah. it would certainly be simpler. I think I could get away with doing that. I mean, they're just, there are a ton of people here. Um, so how well what I'm saying translates to other markets, that I don't know. Yeah, I, I like I agree with like, like I'm in a city of 150,000, so it's not like super huge. It's I think it's the I don't know tenth largest city in this country. Like we are in a country. I'm in a country of 18 million, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. And uh, the way that I shoot and the way that I talk and present myself attracts. I guess like 70, 80% of the people I shoot is dudes because of the yeah. lighting and the background and the approach and the way I talk and so. I sort of inadvertently already market probably more towards dudes. Like I shoot women, but not in not as much. It's not like a 50-50 split. I shoot like predominantly dudes. So like working on my portfolio sometimes, it's like, yeah, I need some women in there. Like why, where can I find one? <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. if, if I go to my last 10 shots or 10 last 10 shoots, it's like, yeah, this is a dude. This is a dude. Yep, another one. Yep, and it's like, Got to go back a month sometimes just to find a woman. So, it, like, I guess it's the messaging. And I think, like, the kick-ass thing, since you're still shooting women, like, it appeals to them as well. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, if, if you had just asked me, hey, do you think women would like that? <laughs> My guess would be no, but apparently some of them do. 
but again, some majority of them are lawyers, executives. I mean, I don't get a lot of wallflowers in here. No, but I do. It's fine. I can deal with it. But yeah, it probably does skew that a little bit. And I just feel like I get really good people for the, the last couple of weeks. I don't know what it is, but a lot of people have been telling me about, you know, oh, you're lucky you get so many models or you get so many actors. And I don't get a lot of models and actors, very few actually. Um, oh, the people you shoot are so good looking. Oh, that, that I agree with. They are pretty good looking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like we do good work with them and that helps, but I think there's a, you know, it's funny. The, I've got a, some, most of what I do is just one-on-one stuff in the studio, but I do have some corporate clients. And it's funny how different companies do have different cultures and they seem to hire certain types of people. And one of my favorite corporate clients, they hire a lot of attractive young people. It's just, it's undeniable. It's rare that I get one of those people in front of my camera and I think, oh man, that poor guy. Usually it's like, holy crap, this guy looks great. Oh, she's gorgeous. Um, like, do you, do you, do you, somehow, do you pay attention to corporate culture when you do a corporate gig or is it like just any other client? I just kind of do my thing. I mean, they, they know coming in there that I'm going to be a certain way with their people. And um, I don't know, maybe I don't understand the question. I mean, I certainly think about the the uh, culture of the corporation. Um, usually it's just like, oh, this company is a really good fit for me. This is going to be great. Or hmm, this company isn't as good a fit. <laughs> I wonder if I should have taken the job. Maybe I shouldn't have taken it. We'll see. But sometimes I'll, like, I'll do, use that. Go ahead. I was going to like try and elaborate. Like, Do you like um, take on corporations that you could um like benefit is not the right word but that reflect your brand and like if there's some company that you're like eh, i don't want to be associated with that like is that something that you uh, take into account or is that like yeah i'll just shoot him i'll just not mention him that's an interesting question i don't recall any incidences where there was a company i did not want to be affiliated with uh, i think if that happened i just wouldn't work for him i mean i i turn down companies all the time like no we like your work but we just we, we want to do 10 minute headshots with everybody yeah that's cool i, I don't though yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to take your money but that's a long day for me and i just because because you know i it's just it makes it harder on me because i'm just going to try to jam in and do as, as, as well as i can in that crappy amount of time and i just rather not do it so um, usually, if I'm going to fire a company, it's just because I think they don't get what I do. Uh, but yeah, if there were a company where I'm like, eh, I don't really like that people. Oh, I'm not, I'm not into what they're into, or these kind of seem like a bunch of shitty people. It would probably be more just because I don't want to work with them. I don't want to have to interact with them because I don't like them personally. Because yeah. um, this is a very personal thing that we do, and you know, when you like the person and you get along very easily, and then the rapport established is established very quickly. It's a lot better than, you know, there's two people since we're, this is all video or uh, audio. I'll have to do a little vignette for you, but there's the guy who will come in and, and just very stone faced and, and a dour manner. say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to exaggerate here, but you know, might say, uh, it is agreeable to see you. Yeah. And then there's a the kind of person who might say, Hey, how you doing? Good to see you, man. <laughs> I want the, I want the second guy. That's who I'd rather deal with. Um, if it's the first guy and I got to shoot him, we'll do fine. But um, it yeah, takes effort to get him excited and get some energy yeah. out of these people. I tell people this all the time. It sounds hokey, but personality really matters in this deal. And um, you know, the the latter guy is just way easier to shoot typically. Yeah. So you have all your ducks in a row at this point. Uh, you know what 
where you're marketing, you know which people you want to work with. But is there still something that you're struggling with or like trying to figure out or like something that you feel like you could do better? Uh, well, I always struggle with the headshots because I just, you know, want, want them to be the best that I can and, uh, and I love them. So I spend quite a bit of time thinking about those things and how to make them better. And it's so weird because it seems like it's the most, it is the most basic, but also you think it'd be like the easiest form of people photography because there's just fewer variables than pretty much anything else you can think of. And um, nevertheless, it's still incredibly complicated. I'm always amazed at the things I'll notice or the things like that a guy like you would notice. And you'd say, hey, Chris, this and this. And I'm like, oh, God, Maurice was pointing this out today. I'd never noticed that. Um, so I love, that's a struggle that I like. I, 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 I oscillate between, okay, I think I got a handle on this. I think I can do this. And, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm usually <laughs> swinging between those and I'm comfortable with that. I think that's a healthy way to be yeah. as long as you don't stay in one place too long. It inspires but, growth. Uh, yeah. So I love that. Um, you know, business wise, I could always do that. I'm bad at the business end of this. I feel, you know, I'm not good at administrative work. I don't, I don't necessarily uh, love the more businessy stuff. So I could always be better at that. Um, and I'm endeavoring to do better. I guess at this point, I'm really just struggling with, um, how do I make my, how do I make more money and how do I make my business more resilient? You know, what if we wake up in a few years and, uh, there's some app where you point a phone at somebody and take a picture and it just uh, does some bullshit version of what of what you and I do with headshots and that's acceptable and most people like and want that but then you know I'm screwed because that's all I do so you know at some point I need to venture off into other things um I, I have no idea what it would be i was talking i've got a, a friend uh, a photographer friend who lives in another city I, I rarely see him talk to him every now and then he was asking me questions about headshot photography about getting into it and he said that uh, he uh, is also he's a guy who does a lot of weddings and engagement stuff uh, he's real excited about getting into what do you call it boudoir photography because apparently those people make a ton of money and so I, I don't know if I would do that someday not opposed to it I just love headshots so much if, I, if that's all I could do I'd be happy doing that but uh, yeah I struggle with and the money thing is fine I mean I'm doing great right now I can't believe that you can make a good living just shooting headshots but uh, you know always looking to do better and uh, maybe just diversify a little bit. Figure I need to hang on for about another 20 years and I'm good. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just keep going at it. Um, so what, um, when do you consider yourself successful as a photographer? I don't know. I think the, the goal is always moving. I mean, there, there's a lot that I'm proud of right now. I think generally I'm happy with how my work is going. Although, as we discussed before, Depends when you ask me. I may, I may be less satisfied than others, but I'm definitely definitely happy with the progress I've made. That's a better way to say it. I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunities I've had just to do this so that I get a lot of repetitions. I mean, I, I don't know what most people do, but I probably photograph between 450 and 650 people a year, even though I'm low volume. Um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of headshots. And um, so I'm... I'm very grateful for the progress that I've made there. Um, and I'm at the point now where, you know, pre-COVID, I was booked about a month in advance. And I was losing people because, you know, people didn't want to wait that long, losing potential clients. And so that was great. I was at the point where I thought, no, oh, maybe I need to think about raising my price. Um, so that feels successful to me. 
Um, now that we're working again in Houston, at least as of whatever date this is being recorded, don't tell anybody. Um, I'm not quite back there yet, but pretty close. Uh, so that feels successful. Um, I don't know. Like for some people, it might be, oh, it'll be successful once I've really uh, opened this thing up and I've got other people shooting for me and I don't have to shoot if I don't want to. But at that point, then I'm just kind of running a business. And I don't know if I could not do any of that and just shoot every now and then, that'd probably be the best. That'd probably be super successful. Got a bunch of money coming in, but people working for me, but I don't have to do the day-to-day stuff. I can just photograph people at my whim. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty awesome. But as of today, I think there's a a lot I'm grateful for. Yeah. So do you outsource stuff that you don't want to uh, deal with, like the admin stuff and like the business part of things with like all the, like the administration and the, the, the finance and like all of that? Do you outsource or do you just like, keep everything to yourself and run a one-man show? No, I do. I, I, I probably don't do it as well as a lot of people that we know, but I definitely have a lot of help. Um, I have retouchers that I use. I have an answering service on my phone because I don't want to pick up the phone. Um, I have, uh, what do you call it, a virtual assistant who's actually, it's really good. She and her husband have a, have a photography business. They do a lot of headshots. So she gets the business, which is really nice. Um, you know, I have an accountant. I probably need just a plain bookkeeper, but I've not made that happen yet. Uh, what else do I do? I guess that's it. I guess I do everything else. And then I, I've automated as much as I can, like with, you know, acuity and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense to do that. Just like I jumped on the acuity bandwagon when I was done with people calling me when I was driving and then have to open up the schedule or the like the calendar app on the phone while driving and not trying to kill myself in the process and then doing this thing like, yeah, how's next Thursday? Yeah, well, 2 p.m. Well, no, that doesn't work because I have somebody else at three. Okay, can you do uh, an hour early? No, how's next week? Like all of that kind of nonsense. Like I was like so done with that stuff that I found acuity and now when people call me i just like are you uh, like are you at your computer yeah okay click here click there find a spot and then i'll just like talk to them while i hear my phone beep and i know the booking is in yeah it's pretty sweet getting those uh like we've got friends who they, they call it uh, the unassist, unassisted booking <laughs> yeah it's pretty nice it's pretty pretty nice being wherever you are and then looking at your phone after it buzzed and saying oh yeah yep Susan just just booked a session. That's great. Or you know, Pedro just scheduled a consultation cons- consultation call with me. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I yeah. love it. And I have that with like educational things with like the LinkedIn uh, course that I sell and my presets. Like waking up in the morning and then like looking at the phone. Like okay. So- Two people bought this, two people bought this, and okay, I made money and I didn't I didn't even have my first coffee yet. So <laughs> that's like super cool. It's like Yeah, you're doing it right. I yeah, uh, I, I love that. So what are the goals for the upcoming years? Uh what are the goals? One is I wanna run my business a little more like a business and get a little more organized, a little more serious about um, the administrative stuff and I guess that's the main thing and just kind of recover from COVID, maybe get where, even though I'm really close right now, get where um, I'm at the levels I was at before COVID. And if I can do that, I'll be happy. And then, you know, maybe next year I'll start thinking about what uh, what I'm going to do to either increase income or diversify my offerings. 
cool. So any final thoughts before I ask you where people can find you online? Um, no, I mean, you did a good job of digging out a bunch of stuff. I'm proud of you. This isn't easy and you're doing it in another language. <laughs> For sure, English is awesome, but um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I just, I love talking to you about this stuff because, you know, you're a great headshot photographer and I just, I, I get really passionate about it. I, I just, I don't like it when, you know, people who don't love headshots, who don't put the time in to be experts at it, uh, you know, if you're expanding rather than contracting people's self-acceptance gaps and, and charging people money for it, I just fucking hate that. <laughs> there's probably a, there's, I mean, there, there are different reasons why people want headshots. Some of them, it's just to put a name with a face and just the, you know, the most basic of, of goals. And you know, maybe it's okay for that, but um, I think it's really important. And so I'm glad there's people like you out there. It's fun to talk to you about it. If people, after all of this, would want to look me up online for anything other than hate hate mail, um, the two main places to do it are the website, liketherazor.com. We've been talking about this. It should have been there already. It's like, L-I-K-E, the definite article, the, and then a razor, spelled in the traditional way, dot com. And, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that shit. On Instagram, it's a little weird. I probably should have just done like the razor. I, I can't tell you why I didn't other than because I'm, I'm dumb. But it's Gillette, but the G is a six. So it's six I double L E double T. Not that you would want to go there. But wow. That was it. I'll link all the... Uh, platforms, networks, and website information in the show notes of this podcast, so people Wait a can minute. go so and. I get a ba a backlink. Yes, you get one. Oh man! And you, you you get it Thank all you. over the place because my podcast is published on like six or seven platforms, like uh, Apple Podcast, the the Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, Ooh. Streamer. Um, I don't know. I'm forgetting a bunch, but it's all it's all over the place. So people can't really miss this thing if they're looking thank for you. it. So thank you so much for uh, spending uh, your uh, afternoon with us and uh, talk about how you run your business, what you learned, and uh, share your awesome personality with us. I really appreciate it. It was a ton of fun. Thank you, my friend. All right. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.